Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Chris. We're so excited you're here with us on Next Gen Sunday. And I want to pause for a second and just kind of flow off of that video because it's Memorial Day tomorrow where we remember the sacrifices that were made. Watch this. So we can sit here free without persecution. And if you've traveled anywhere in the country or excuse me, anywhere in the world, you know that this is not the norm. But to us, it's become the norm. And the reason that we have these freedoms is because other people have pay, paid the price. And so we're going to pray in just a moment because we know that there could be some aunts, uncles, grandparents, sons and daughters that have lost their lives in active duty. And we want to honor them. And we want to pray for some of the families as well because we know tomorrow, though they're, they're honored, it could be a tough day for them as they think back to all the sacrifices that their family and is and has made so that we can be free. So would you bow your heads with me? We want to pray for those families. Father, we thank you for Memorial Day, God, a day where we can pause and remember the sacrifice that was made so that in this country, we can do what we're doing right now. We can pray, we can worship we can sing a hallelujah, Lord. And we thank you for the freedoms that we have. And I pray this morning, we don't take that for granted, but we honor those that have given of their lives today, God. We thank you what your word says is true, Lord, that there's no greater love than when one lays down his life for his friends. Thank you for those, Lord, that have laid down their life. We lift up those families, Lord, today and tomorrow for those that have sacrificed so much, God. Would you give them peace as they're reliving all of the things that went on maybe that day or that week or when they heard, whatever it is, God, give them peace that surpasses all understanding because they understand what a sacrifice is, God. And if anyone feels their pain, we know it's you. You're a good father because you've sacrificed so much for us, God. Thank you that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son to die on a cross, God, to pay a penalty, to pay a price. Why? So that we can have freedom because who the son sets free is free indeed. And we have our freedom because you have sacrificed and paid the ultimate price. Be with those family members, Lord, that have paid that price. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we give them honor today? Come on. I think it's so fitting that it's Next Gen Sunday because it is because they gave their lives, watch this, that we are able to pass things on to this next generation. Because of their sacrifice, we're able to sit here and to, to kind of see what the next generation is doing and see what God is doing in next generation. That's why I'm excited this morning to be joined by our student pastor, Pastor Joseph Aranza, and these amazing young individuals who you're going to hear from in just a second. But would you help me give a hand for them with me this morning? It's going to be awesome. Now, before we jump in and begin to hear amazing testimonies and stories and hear from Pastor Joseph this morning, our student pastor, um, you might be wondering, sitting here going, what does this have to do with me? 
Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're asking that question because you might go, I don't have any kids. I'm an empty nester. Uh, I've never, I'm not even married, Pastor Chris. I'm single. Whatever it is, you might just go, maybe this doesn't have anything to do with me. You couldn't be further from the truth. Look at me. It is our responsibility to pass on God's truth to this next generation. Watch this. And to impart something to them that they can't get on their own. It is our job. And if we call this a family, a family doesn't just leave the next generation to go. They teach them their ways. I love what the psalmist said. I love this verse. Psalm 145 says this. It says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your what? Your power. Not your information. Not, hey, I'm going to give you head knowledge about God. No, your power. Meaning this, meaning God saved my life. Mm. So I want to tell you how he saved my life. And we get to pass on and proclaim God's power because of that. And it's amazing. Because there's no generation in in our lifetime, look, look at me, that has as much information as they do now. It is amazing. I, I didn't grow up with a cell phone. Anybody else with me old enough to remember not having a cell phone, right? And I grew up, I didn't get one until college. My kids now are like, when do I get a phone? I'm like, you're never getting a phone, okay? <laughs> I know that's not happening, but I want that. And before, if you had a project, you would have to go to your encyclopedia, right? How many remember that? And look up like, geez, giraffe. You have to go through all the G's and look up giraffe or the Dewey Decimal System where you're going through and you're going like card catalog and you're trying to find the right book. You guys, old people, remember that with me here, okay? And you're remembering those things. But now all you have to do is pull out one of these and you got all the information possible. They don't have an information problem. They don't. They can get information. They don't need information. They need transformation in an encounter with an amazing God. And it's our responsibility, watch this, to proclaim the power of our God to this next generation. And so this morning, we get to hear from them. And I think it's going to be so amazing for all of us to experience that. But Pastor Joseph, I know that we've talked about this before, but... These young people need a vision, especially in this day and age where it's so chaotic and so crazy. These young people need a vision that where we want them to be is better than where they are right now. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, 100%. Our heart for the next generation here at OSC, and this isn't just our Lafayette campus, this is all of our campuses, is that they would passionately fulfill their God-given command to take the truth from inside of here out into their community, out into their high schools, to be world changers. We have the ace card in every situation and his name is Jesus. We have a very, very broken and hurting, lost culture that is not looking for someone to be like them. They're looking for someone to be like. They do not need any more self-help books. They don't need casual Christianity. They do not need behavior modification. They need heart transformation. And our heart is to equip these young people to be change agents to a very lost, hurting, and broken world. And transformation, can I just say this? Transformation... It takes a long, difficult process. Mm. And I'm reminded as I think about our young people and as me and Pastor Joseph were talking the other day, I'm I'm thinking of Luke chapter eight where Jesus tells a story. It's called the parable of the sower. And if you've ever heard that story before, Jesus talks about a farmer who sowed seed and it talked about four kinds of grounds, four kinds of soil that it laid on. And you had the path, 
You had the pathway, which got trampled. You had the rocks, which couldn't take root. And then you had the weeds, and you had the good soil. And what's interesting is the pathway are those ones that, that was on there, but they had a hard heart. They couldn't receive God's word. We all know people like that, or maybe you're in here this morning, and maybe you're still a little like that, or, or maybe you were like that, where there was a hard heart towards God, and you said, I don't even, I reject that word. We've all been there before. The, the second kind of soil that it landed on were the rocks. This is the one that received God's word, it said, and it said that because it was among the rocks, that it tried to root itself, and it couldn't root. And because the cares of the world came, it literally dried it up. And you see, here's the instance of the rocks. Where there is no root, there will be no fruit. Mm. And so they can receive it with joy, but that joy is very diminished if it can't withstand what the world has for them. And then finally, the two other soils were the weeds and really the good soil. And I want to read you this morning just two, two verses, and we're going to center this on what we're going to be talking about this morning. But really, it's in Luke chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. It says this. Here are the, the two different kinds of soils that we're going to talk about. Verse 14 says, the seeds that fall into the weeds represents, here's what Jesus said, the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. Look at me. There can be growth without maturity. I know a lot of 50, 60, 7-year-olds, listen to me, who are grown but have no maturity. Wives, don't tap your husbands right now, okay? <laughs> because guess what? Unhealthy things grow too. Weeds grow. And see, the biggest attribute for maturity is not whether you grow, it's what you produce. It's what you produce. And, and once again, it's never what you produce for yourself. It's what you produce for other people. How do you know that, Pastor Chris? Because you can walk over to an a apple tree or an orange tree, and you look at it, and the tree isn't eating its own fruit, is it? It's not going, it's good for me. No. When it bears fruit, it's meant for you and me. You see, how you measure maturity, I tell my kids this all the time, it's not what you do, it's what you can do for others. That is maturity. And it talks about what do we need for good soil? He says it right here. Jesus says it in verse 15. It says, but the seed that fell into good and fertile soil represents those lovers of the truth, listen to this, who hear it deep within their heart. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. And this is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. And so for this next generation, there are three aspects that we really we need to cultivate good soil. And the first thing is they need placement, right? You have to place the seed before it can actually plant. And so there is placement. And then after they hear the word, they're in the right place to receive the word. Then their job is to plant within that and bear and go ahead and put their roots down where they need to grow. And then as they grow, if they just grow, we haven't done our job. But if they grow and begin to bear fruit and affect change in this world, then guess what? Jesus has won. We haven't won. Jesus has won. And that's where it produces passion in those things. But Pastor Joseph, as you know, being a pastor's kid, you know, 
it starts with placement, and that placement is important, but placement is not the next generation's job. It's really our job as the now generation. Yeah, 100%. You know, it does start with placement, and that is the now generation's responsibility. That's not just parents. That's grandparents, parents, aunts, and uncles. I'm a pastor's kid. So that means much of my life looked like this setting, okay? Wednesdays, prayer meetings, Thursday services, Friday, revival nights. I always tell people I got saved eight times, baptized nine times, and on the ninth time, they held me down so long that I thought I saw Jesus. (laughs) That is my story. Man, my parents were intentional that we were going to be raised in the house. And parents, that is our responsibility. It's to dig up the soil and place a seed with expectation that that seed is going to take root. That's one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 22, six. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love that last part, when he's old. In other words, when they're not at your house, when they're no longer under your umbrella of influence, what has been embedded in them is so deep that it's no longer a conviction that you have, but now it's a conviction that they have train up a child. I love that the Bible uses that word train. My wife and I have a seven-month-old son. His name is John Wesley. He's amazing. We love him so much. And right now, we're training him how to crawl. Come on, parents, veteran parents, go back to me when you had a seven-month-old with me for a second. Every morning, I wake up and I place him on his stomach. Now, the difficult part is not placing him on his stomach. The difficult part is when you place him on his stomach, he starts to cry. And in a matter of seconds, that cry goes into a scream that will make anxiety burst out of the walls of your home. And every morning, I go up to pick him up when he starts crying, and my wife says, Joseph, leave him. You have to leave him, because if you pick him up when he starts crying, then he's never going to learn how to crawl. And if he doesn't know how to crawl, then he's not going to learn how to walk. And parents, how in the world are we expecting our next generation to walk in their God-given calling when it is no longer a conviction to be placed in the house of God? It's now become about the convenience of if they want to be there. Mm. Please Mm. hear my heart when I say this. Please hear my heart. God is much more concerned about your children's future than he is about their feelings. Mm. Come on, ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. It starts with placement. It all starts with placement. When I think about placement, I think of Alex and Louie. We have some people on the couch you guys are going to get to know very well by the end of this morning, but Alex and Louie are great examples of what it looks like when you place the next generation in the house. Alex serves faithfully week in and week out with our junior hires and high schoolers. I call him the hope of the berry. He's from New Iberia, one of my berry people. That's hilarious. (laughs) And Louie, man, Louie really is a son of the house. Louis, five years ago, moved from the UK, did not know a single person, and because his parents made a decision just to place him there, his spiritual family became his family. Louis, in a couple of months, is going to be leaving to go to Arizona. He got a football scholarship to go play ball. Come on, big Louis. That's American football, not like the soccer in UK, okay? Okay, okay. Real football, we know that. So Alex, Louie, tell us, man, how, how did being placed in the house play such a huge role in you guys' story? Hey, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> my, story, uh, my story starts whenever I was 10 years old. Um, I unfortunately lost my mom uh, to cancer. And, uh, and, and from, from then, my, my family was broken. And uh, so, so I guess you could say I come from a, a broken family. And, and really cool about my story is my aunt, stepped in. She had no obligation to. She had 
she, but, but, but she had a desire to. So she stepped in and she really started bringing me to church, which I absolutely hated. Um, <laughs> I, 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 say, I said this last service, it really wasn't that funny, but I think it's funny, so I'm going to say it again. I became a drug baby. I, you know, I was drugged to church every single weekend. That's a funny <laughs> joke. It's a very funny joke. Anyways. Lord help the next generation. I mean, that's a hilarious joke. It's all right. But it's all right, I, dog. Whether it I liked it or not, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, I was in church. And, um, and it really molded me into the man that I became today. And, mm. and I see it a lot. You know, like Pastor Joseph said, I, I work with junior hires. And, and I see it every week. And they, they hate being here sometimes. And I'm like, hey, parents, guess what? If that's your student... Don't worry. I think I turned out pretty, pretty okay. So if they hate coming, I hate it coming. I think it's, you know, I think it's going to work out. But the coolest thing about my story is whenever I was thrusted into the world, world of church, uh, I got the, op- the opportunity to really experience what spiritual family can do. Mm. And, um, and though, I, though I was placed in the house of God, it allowed me to be planted in Christ. And, and, and I'm a firm believer that even though Jesus saved my soul, the church saved my life. Yeah, come on. And, and I think Lou, I think Louis, Louis, your story is a whole lot like that, where you, you, you came from a different place and you really got to experience what spiritual family is like. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, for me, growing up in the UK, there's really no God. So, I mean, trying to grow up as a Christian man in a society that defies your faith, I think is very challenging. And it can get uh, lonely, and you feel like you're hopeless. So I think when I moved over here, the thing that drew my attention so much was seeing people my age on fire for God. Because, mm. I mean, there's, in my eyes, there's nothing that can beat that. I remember going to church camp. I remember seeing, well, like 500 people my age praising God. And I think that was one of the most powerful things that you could ever witness. Mm. So, I mean, I, like same as Alex, I think God saved my soul. But spiritual family and spiritual relationships really saved my life. That's so good. I think it's so crucial that we... That's awesome. What a great perspective Louis and Alex bring, especially when we we, we look at Louis coming from the UK. Many of us weren't... We were born here, and so we don't have another viewpoint, but he does. We take for granted the fact, how many know that we can actually still pray at football games down here? Mm. You guys think I'm joking. That's, that's like people think that we're, we're crazy because we're still praying down here. We still have the microphone to say in Jesus' name, mm. and people don't throw stones at us. Mm. That is because we have spiritual family around here. Because one day is coming, and very soon, where we won't be able to do that. Mm. And it won't be normal. And we're going to have to make sure we have the right people. And so it first starts with placement. And I love that these, I'll call them men of God, have been placed in the house. And when we say placed, understand, yeah, we're talking about the church, but we're not talking about the four walls. We're talking about being placed in a spiritual family. We're, not, we're talking about coming to church, not a service. We're talking about something so much more, spiritual family. And I want to challenge you parents. This is... I'm going to challenge even this next generation. I want to challenge you with this question. Listen to me. What are you willing to say no to today so your kids can say yes to God tomorrow? Yeah, that's good. Think about it for a second. Look, I played sports all my life. I, there's no bigger pro- proponent for team sports than this man right here. But I'll tell you this each and every single time. Your kid is not going to be Drew Brees. <laughs> 
Now, I broke some of y'all's dreams. Let your pastor let you down real hard. Okay, real gently. Let me lay you on a pillow just real gently right there. They're not going to be Drew Brees. They're not going to be LeBron James. I have to tell my son, my son, he, 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 it's amazing. He's a little seven-year-old, and he got the all-star. He was on the all-star team for soccer. I didn't even know that was such a thing, but you do that. <laughs> Playing soccer, and it was on a Sunday. They were like, can you come back and play a game on Sunday? And my, my, my son's like, Daddy, please, please, let me go back and play. And I said, hey, buddy, what do we do on Sundays? We go to church. I said, yes. I said, hey, buddy, it's because I care way more about your spiritual well-being than whether you can play soccer or not. Look at me. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I don't care what my job is. I'm reminded of what 1 Timothy said, where Paul said to Timothy, he said, physical training is good, benefits some, but godliness benefits all things. I don't know about you. I want my kids to be beneficial in all things, not just in sports, because I know I was blessed. I'm a fraction of percent of a percent of percent to actually play professional sports. So I know how tough it is to get there and stay there. If my hope is in that alone, then I'm going to let my kids down. But if I place my kids where they can hear God's word, experience his presence, encounter the Holy Spirit, then the power that they have there will carry them the rest of their lives. I want them to be good husbands. I want them to be great wives. I want them to be men and women that are set on fire for Jesus because that will affect change in this culture. Laws are not going to change anything. But Jesus invading people's hearts absolutely will. And it's their time now. And placement is so crucial when it comes to that. They have to be placed. But Pastor Joseph, it's one thing to be placed. And that's our job as parents to drag our kids or whatever it is. My kids don't even want to come to church sometimes. Can you? Pastor, you said that. Absolutely. I'll have a fight every Sunday and say, what do we do? We go to church. Because it's not about us. It's about what we can give to God. And I want to place them in earshot of Jesus so that they can begin to hold on what he says. But placement is my job. It's our job as the now generation. But they have to take the responsibility of being planted. Tell us about that. Placement really is the now generation's responsibility. It's our job to place them in the house. But students, you got to make a decision to be planted there. Just because you were placed in an environment definitely does not mean that you were planted, especially in our South Louisiana culture where you party on Saturday night and you're placed in house on Sunday morning. That is our culture. When I think of the story of David and Goliath, I think of David being placed around Goliath because his parents sent him. But David's decision to stand in front of Goliath was because of his own conviction. That's good. And we have Goliaths in our culture that if we don't have Alex's and Louis and Paris's and Abby to stand up to, we're never going to see revival in our generation. Yeah. That only happens not when you're placed in an environment. It's bigger than when it's just your parents. It has to be who you are. And when I think about someone who's been planted in a house, someone that's made this a priority, I think of Gracie Petrie. Many of you don't know this, but Gracie Petrie is Miss Teen Louisiana. She serves here. Come on. She's Miss Teen Louisiana. She goes to LSU, and almost every week she drives from Baton Rouge to serve here with our nursery, with our nursery, and at night with our students. Mm. 
that means that she is planted. She's made that decision. That's not because her parents are having her do that. That's on the inside of you. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so just like you, di- you said, um, it's a decision that I make because I understand the importance of being planted and having roots in the church and relationships that I can not only confide in, that I can you know, go to when I need something, but people that will call me out and make sure I'm doing what I need to do and on the right path with my walk with God. And um, as teenagers and as a title holder, I think it's really easy to get caught up in everything, you know, with work and school and extracurriculars. But um, when you understand what's really important and what really matters, then that makes a difference. And what really matters is not that I'll have the crown because I won't have it, you know, I'll have it for like six more months. I'm not going to wear it forever. And even though we say forever LSU, I won't always be a college student. Um, What really matters is that my relationship with the Lord will never fade Mm, and God will never fade. Come on. So good. Gracie, I too am a title holder as well. (laughs) Come on. Listen. Just a different kind of title. I'm kidding. No, that's great. And yours will never fade. Mine will never fade. Who that? Who that? <laughs> Who that, baby? It just went down a bad path. But no, I, I think what Gracie said is so true. Just, just think about this for a second. Who do you know that would drive another hour and a half, not to come to a service, but mm. to be planted? Yeah, come on. We're not talking about walls or an organization. We're talking about a family. She comes back because she wants to be a part of a family. She wants to serve and she wants to pass down those things that she has learned, the relationships that she has gained. Those are huge. And she is serving and giving and giving. And that is huge for her. And look at me, parents. If we want our kids to be planted, guess what? We need to be planted. Mm. Paul said this very clear in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. They are not looking for perfection. They're looking for direction. That's good. They're going, where are we going to be planted? Because you're going, oh, I want my kids to be planted. I'm going to take them to service. Sunday night with Pastor Joseph. I'm going to take them to 11 a.m. With, 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 with Alex here and Pastor Joseph in the back with middle school students. I'm going to take them and put them in there. That's great. But the kids want to see you planted. Yeah, yeah. They want to see you say, hey, kids, we got small group tonight. What's small group? My kids ask that. They love small group night. What's small group? Small group is where we get with like-minded people. We encourage and pray for one another. We go through the Bible because we want to grow and be better parents. We want to be greater men and women of God. That's what we want to be. Well, I'm taking a night away from my kids. Guess what? But you're showing them something even greater than you could do if you stayed at home with them. This is huge. This is what it means to be planted and planted in the right way way. We have to be the examples for our kids. So take a next step. Take a next step in any direction. It doesn't matter. We want to help you take that next step. And I want to challenge you with this. What would your child's walk with Jesus look like if they followed you? Let that sink in for a second. I have my own convictions. What would your child, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, your future children, if you're not married yet, what would their walk with Jesus look like if they followed you? I don't know about you, but I want to be able to say, 
they can follow me to Jesus. I might not look perfect, but I'm going to Jesus. Mm. That's what we want for this next generation in order for them to be amazing because you never know who's watching. Mm. You can make a difference. It was a crazy story about a month ago. You guys remember Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands came and preach an amazing sermon. Uh, he's the second largest church in, in Alabama. It's in, in all in Alabama and in Georgia. And so I had this young lady come up to me after service. I'm standing in front, and, and she's just kind of teary-eyed already. And she said, can I, can I speak with Pastor Chris Hodges? And I said, is there something that I can help you with? And she said, yeah, can you tell him thank you? I said, okay, well, why? And she said, my father is incarcerated in Alabama. And he's in prison there, and Church of the Highlands goes in each and every single Sunday and puts on a service for the inmates of every single correctional facility in prison they can get into. They're in all of them in Alabama. And she said, my dad came to know Jesus because Pastor Chris Hodges in Church of the Highlands went in that, went in that prison, and he is following Jesus right now. But here's what she said that blew me away. This is a 20-something-year-old woman. She said, now I made the decision to follow Jesus because my dad inspired mm. me to do so. Wow. So a father who was in prison, listen to this, was the example for his child to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but there's no excuse now. <laughs> that if somebody can follow Jesus in prison and inspire their child to do that, man, that's amazing. We are the example to be planted. And I don't care if you're in prison. This is to all the inmates. I don't care if you're in prison right now. I don't care what it is. You can plant in this spiritual body right here and you will inspire your kids to make change. Mm. Now, I said this last service. I'm gonna say it this service because I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking. Some of you feel like you've missed your mark. I'm done. My kids are grown, they're out of the house, or maybe you feel like it's too late. It's never too late. Look at me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You carry no guilt, no shame, because the old is gone and the new has come. Mm. All you are worried about is what is God calling me to do today? And here's what he's calling you to do. Just take your next step. We have trained volunteers outside in our next steps area that are ready to help you take your next step wherever that is. Maybe it's getting baptized. We're gonna have baptism Sunday on June 13th. You can get baptized then. Maybe it's just to start serving. Maybe it's just to get plugged into a small group. Maybe it's to lead a small group. Maybe it's, it's an opportunity to like make a difference Monday with Love Acadiana. Maybe it's just serving. Just take a step. Maybe it's starting to pray with your spouse. Maybe it's starting to read your Bible for 10 minutes every single morning. Start in the book of John. Don't start in Genesis, please. I know it's the beginning, but still, it gets really confusing throughout the middle of it. Start in John, but maybe it's just reading. Just take your next step and begin to get planted where God wants you, with relationships, with people who love you and want what's best for you. That's huge. And as we talk about Pastor Joseph, you know, being planted... That's really growing in maturity, but there's an ultimate expression there when it comes to bearing fruit, because you produce something. When you grow, if you're not producing something, then we wonder whether you're actually, your growth is false or not. And so a lot of times, especially in our Christian walk, we, we should produce a passion for, for Jesus. Sure. For sure. And this is really the full circle moment this morning. It starts with the placement of the now generation. 
then it leads to the planting of the next. And when you place a seed and it begins to grow, then it bears fruit. And the fruit of being planted in the house of the Lord is always passion. It's always passion. You can't have a real revelation of who God is and what he did for you and not be passionate. And when I think of passion, when I think of someone who shows up week in and week out and is passionate, I think of Amanda Hux. You also heard leading worship here this morning. She is the president of Lafayette High. She has influence. Hey, it's hard to be passionate about your relationship with Jesus in a public high school. In a public high school. This is a teenager. I know grown people that are afraid to bring the good news of the gospel into your job. Think about the walls of the high school. This is the darkest of the dark in our culture. And she is a shining light. Amanda Hux, talk to us about, come on. Talk to us about about passion. For sure. Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, So I've always just been a very passionate person. It's kind of my personality. I'm very outgoing. I, you know, growing up, teachers would describe me as like determined and motivated and like all those things, whatever. So I just always had that, right? Like that was always my personality. So whatever. But I started using that for the wrong reasons. Um, I started chasing after success um, instead of chasing after God. Um, I was chasing after titles, achievements, accomplishments. And at the end of the day, when it was stripped away from me, I was left feeling empty. Um, Mm. I wasn't anybody because I didn't know my identity in God. Mm. Um, And once I had the revelation that perfection could never be achieved and it was only ever achieved by Jesus... Um, I started to have peace, you know. I came here, I was born again, um, right in that second row right there. Um, and what, draw, what drew me towards that was the joy that I saw other people having and the true inner peace and passion that they had. And I was like, I'm so tired of this facade of being this perfect, you know, I'm okay, everything's okay 100% of the time. It's not, and that's okay. Um, so once I set that aside, um, I was able to truly receive from God that my highest highs and my lowest lows were nothing in comparison to Jesus. Um, That my true identity was being a daughter of the highest king. It wasn't anything else. And so I'm not a worship leader and I'm not, you know, a president and I'm not any of those things. I'm just a daughter of the king. I'm just a, a, a follower of Christ. And... So I think walking with that conviction is what can prompt me to be bold because, well, there's a song by Maverick City and it's called Fresh Fire and they have a little moment where they say that a man on fire doesn't care what he looks like, he doesn't care what he sounds like. And I just walk with that image every single day that I I don't care what I look like to the world because I'm not of the world. So I think that's where that conviction comes from. Let me me ask a follow-up question. Because I think what we're saying here, when we're hearing passion, we see your passion come out. We see that it's, it's apparent. And I do believe passion should be seen. I'm passionate about Jesus. I get shown me. I think passion can be seen. But, Hux, you're, you're a worship leader. You're very vocal. You're very out there. What would you say to somebody, even in this generation, even in, the, in your generation, who says, well, I'm just not as passionate and I don't, I don't want to sing in front of a crowd or be on a stage. How would you help them see that passion isn't just that? Well, what you see on stage is such a small fraction of what a walk with Christ looks like. 
Um, there's so many moments, just silent moments, quiet moments to yourself where you have to find um, that passion internally. And that's the only way that it will be shown externally. Um, so I would say comparison is the thief of all joy. Comparing yourself to other people's spiritual gifts will never help anything. I would say that, you know, I truly was not a good worship leader because I was a singer before I was a worship leader, right? That's two completely different things. Singing and worshiping, two completely different things. Um, but what truly prompted me to be able to worship like how I can, it's because I realized that this gift is not from me, it's from God. Mm. I'm just returning back to what he's given me. So it never belonged to me. So I would say that the, the advice I would give is day to day, have those quiet moments. Um, your walk with Christ should not be all about being on a big stage and, oh, I mean, you should be, uh, and evangelists and you should be a disciple and you should want to show people the love of God, but not for, so they can see how good you are, but mm. because they can see how good God is and mm. how he works through you. So I, that would be my advice. Okay. I love that. I love that. So good. Hey, can you give all of them a hand? So good. So good. I love talking about passion. Pastor Chris told me something this week. It was so good. He said, Joseph, real passion is sacrifice. When you're passionate about something, you, you sacrifice for it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, Joseph, I hear you talking about God, but I don't have a relationship with him. Can I tell you some good news this morning? God loves you. Hmm. Joseph, how can you say that? Because he paid the ultimate sacrifice. He sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago on the cross to pay the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. He didn't do that to have partial custody with you. He didn't do that to have weekend visitations with you. He did that because he wants a passionate relationship with you. A passionate relationship with you. Just think about this. The creator of the heaven and the earth is jealous for you and I. He's jealous for you. That means God loves the real you, not who you pretend to be. If you're here this morning and you're saying, Joseph, I hear you talking about Jesus. I hear you talking about this. I've never really had a relationship with him, but I do know I cannot keep doing life how I've been doing it. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of trying and never feeling validated enough. I'm tired of doing good things to get to him. Today, I, I, I wanna make that decision. I, I wanna surrender. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you're here and that's you and you want to make the most important decision of your life, that's to have a personal relationship with someone who is passionate about you. His name is Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, it's just you and I looking. This is such a personal moment. Our goal here is never to embarrass you. But I would ask that you would show your passion by raising your hand on the count of three. One. God placed you here for this moment. This is not an accident that you are here. Two, it's time to make the decision to be planted. Three, if that's you, raise your hand right now, all over this place. One, two, three, four, five, six. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna ask one more time, if you're here and your heart just beating out of your chest and you're saying, Joseph, I should have raised my hand, but I didn't, I, 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 got, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. This is last time, it's just for you. This is just for you. Raise your hand if that's you right here. I see you. 
I see you, church family, would you pray this prayer together? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you were the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give it up for all those who prayed that prayer?